0: Man, the hot takes are flying on a Monday after Conference Championship Sunday in pro football, and our next guest, kind enough to join us on a very big day in his profession, it's Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network. Omar, happy Monday, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, happy Monday to you. I'm well.
0: So still. Uh, oh, ahead, sorry.
1: All, all that energy in the stadium last night at Levi Stadium was rocking and rolling, and and now it's a chance to catch our breath and. And gear up for what should be uh, another crazy week. I mean, Super Bowl weeks are always crazy. But in Vegas this year, you throw in the Taylor Swift potential connection there. And, oh, boy, I think we're in for a, a fun one.
0: So, Omar, I always find it interesting to watch shows and listen to shows on a Monday after a day like yesterday. So I want to know, like, what if you had to, to aim at one target here based off of all – and there are, look, there are a ton. I'm just curious here. What, what is your net-net main takeaway from everything we saw yesterday?
1: That the 49ers' belief and confidence in Brock Purdy all year long, really since he stepped in in December of 22 as the starter of this team, uh, has been justified, validated on the biggest stage that he's ever played in. And, you know, even as he struggled against Green Bay – when he had that four interception performance against Baltimore last month after the 49ers lost three straight games earlier this year, Uh, they kept coming back. And because that's when the questions would always pop up about Brock Purdy. Oh, maybe this is when he's going to show his true colors. And, and, you know, he's going to turn back into, his carriage will turn back into a pumpkin and, and the Cinderella story is over. But the 49ers truly believe that he is a game changer Type of player, not a game manager, and I think he proved that last night in that second half comeback, uh, rallying that team to win and and essentially throwing that team on his back the way he made play after play after play with his legs and his arms.
0: So let's move over now, and I agree with you. Certainly, that's a it's a great story. You know, it's one of those things you cheer for in our business. A great story like that to talk about. Uh, you know, the they have a nickname for where he was drafted, and now he's going to the Super Bowl. It's it's cool, uh, for sure. <laughs> now, on the other side, Omar, you know what I'm going to ask you, you know, the Dan Campbell stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I will say, I was talking to my producer about this earlier. When he came out for his postgame presser and said, I just told my guys I'm not sure we're ever going to get back here. I was like, dude, that you don't want to say that right now. <laughs> I understand the <laughs> point for sure. I love the team. They're built. They're going to be good for a minute. But what's the what's the same thing? Net net takeaway of what everybody's talking about concerning some of the decisions that Dan made yesterday.
1: Well, I can see why his players love him. I can see why he's endeared himself to that locker room, to the organization, to you know the greater community at large there in Detroit, and certainly the Lions fan base with his honesty, the authenticity, um, saying things like that that you just mentioned that the brutal reality, because we've seen it every year. Look at how the Eagles just unfolded in the second half of the season. Jaguars last year, they win that miraculous comeback against the Chargers. They go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in the next round. You're thinking, oh, this is a team on the rise. They fail to make the playoffs the next year. Um, The 49ers, for instance, when they go to the Super Bowl in their third season with Kyle Shanahan a few years ago, the very next year, they get a bunch of injuries. They go 6-10. and So, so what? There was a lot of truth to what Dan Campbell said, and there was a lot of truth in how he operates, including the fact that he owned up to um, the fact that his fourth and and two decision making didn't work out, but he didn't regret it. And I think the humility that he had in that post game press conference to say, "Hey, I don't regret it. This is who we've been all season." Um, You know, I could see why he relates to his locker room, why they believe in him why he believes in them. I will say this about, though, my critique of that situation. I didn't mind him going for it on fourth and two. It's who they are. What I, what I did mind was him not going for it on fourth and goal from the three at the end of the first half. Because if that's who you are, be who you are all the time. But to kind of change the philosophy there in the middle of the game, I thought if they went up 28-7 to seven at the half, that game was over. And uh, they had a chance to go for the juggler there. They didn't take it, and uh, we saw how the rest of the game unfolded.
0: And, you know, Omar, based off of some good points you just made on the heels of Dan's comments, it makes what we're watching in real time with the Kansas City Chiefs all that much more impressive. And, you know, I I, I feel, and this is only me, I just feel like most people I read or listened to or watched uh, weren't necessarily uh, in a space where they believed this was possible. And I understand why. You know, we saw some of the regular season stuff they looked a lot more 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 vulnerable this year than I think they have prior to. There were still magical moments because they have magical players and a hell of a head coach. And it does feel like we are in the middle of, like, a continuation of what Belichick and Brady did in New England a little bit. So what's the net takeaway from watching Kansas City and Patch Mahomes do what they've done once again?
1: I think it validates, you know, to their end uh, that they are in the middle of the dynasty, like you mentioned, because every team... Uh, that's going to play, you know, for, for the Chiefs in this era is not going to be, um, you know, a juggernaut, um, especially after, um, you know, they've paid Patrick Mahomes and the salary cap implications that the NFL is built to, uh, have that level playing field and the parity that's encouraged by the system. Um, so for, for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey to consistently break that mold, um, speaks to their greatness. And I think, I think we got to start putting, especially if Andy Reid wins one more, um, into the discussion of perhaps greatest coach of all time, which is so interesting to me because we've had that discussion with Bill Belichick having you know recently moved on from, from New England. But you just kind of look at what Andy's done throughout his career. I mean, he, he went to a Super Bowl without Patrick Mahomes. He went to five straight NFC Championship games at one point with Philadelphia, and then, of course, started winning Super Bowls once he had that transcendent quarterback. And you just kind of look at what Bill Belichick has done without Tom Brady, and it's not even close to what the resume that that Andy Reid brings to the table without Patrick Mahomes. So um, another Super Bowl win for them, number three, would be sort of legacy-defining, and I think we'd, we'd even even up the ante on the discussion on both Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's placement all time for their respective positions.
0: On the other side, and I said this earlier, Lamar is probably my favorite player to watch in the league, right? And so, like, I I can't sit here and just do the whole, like, he'll never win the big one topic like a lot of people are doing. It's fair to say he's 2-4. and It's fair to say 57% completions, uh, six touchdowns, six interceptions, six fumbles. Like, that's fair. Like, like that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. So we have to talk about it. It doesn't change what I think he still, you know, I still think he can do. I, I, was, I was stunned, like I think most people, that they didn't run it more for a team that was the best rushing team in football for their running backs to have a combined six carries. Just kind of going, what exactly are we doing? I, I get all that. Um, but ultimately, an amazing year for him. And Baltimore is another team that's going to be around for a while because he's resigned. He's young. He's good. But what's the, what's the takeaway on the Baltimore side of things, Omar?
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with, with everything you said, and I think going back to what we talked about with the Lions, it's to come back from great disappointment. You know, will the Ravens have that will? Like we've seen the 49ers. They've, they've lost in the Super Bowl. They've lost two straight NFC Championship games heading into this season. And so for them to be willing to climb up the mountain that they know is so steep and is such a far climb, to have that will to do that year after year after year, I think that'll be the next challenge, the next test for this era of Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh, that obviously they have the heartbreak this year, the high expectations. And, and of course, they had the number one seed a few years ago and, and, and got beat in the first round that year. So they know what it's like to not live up to expectations. But that was back in 2019, and it's 2023 season. So it took them four years to kind of get back do this can they do this every year? Can they kind of bang on the door uh, to greatness consistently? I think that'll be you know the next challenge for Lamar Jackson is and and John Harbaugh as they kind of continue to build you know what they hope is a consistent winner. But um, I agree with you. He, he was my favorite player to watch, and, and typically uh, you know has been throughout his career. And, and and they had such a good nucleus on that team. Just the combination of. You know, great young players that add, you know, dynamic nature to the team like Zay Flowers and then all those, you know, veterans like Odell Beckham Jr. and Genevi and Clowney and and just, you know, just a solid mix. And they're built to win a Super Bowl. And the fact that, you know, they came up one game short will uh, truly test you know their mettle as they go into the 24 season.
0: So there's still a number of days before the big game, so plenty of time to analyze and learn more, and read and study and all that, and figure out exactly what we're going to be working with on the 11th Super Bowl 58. What is your way too early read on this game, Omar?
1: Well, it's uh, I think going to be a game where the 49ers will come in like they usually do as the more talented team, but but the Kansas City Chiefs will come into the game like they always do with a more talented quarterback and so you know is Patrick Mahomes you know good enough which I mean I think he's proved time and time again but will he be on that particular day that particular stage in Las Vegas to what seems to be sometimes will himself past you know these these you know juggernaut teams the way they did against Baltimore and they'll have to do again against San Francisco as many stars Around on the 49ers. So that'll be the story of the game. I'm excited to see Brock Purdy on the Super Bowl stage um, to kind of show the world, you know, what, what kind of player he is. And um, just, just like he did yesterday. And it should be a fantastic matchup. And, and uh, like you said, we'll we'll analyze and we'll overanalyze for two weeks now. But it should be a fun game with two exciting um, offenses, two very physical defenses. And, um, and And, you know, it should be a fun one February 11th.
0: Started the show, Omar, today with my main takeaway from yesterday, which is the conversation that we might need to start having about Patrick Mahomes that doesn't include names like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. It includes names like Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Like, that's how unique I think he is. And it doesn't matter if it's home or on the road or if it's warm or if it's cold or if you're an underdog or if you're a favorite or if this player's out or that's play- He just finds a way to win. In a way that I think is very unique and and uh, also very dynamic, with the way that you can watch him creating his version of this art form, and that's how he plays quarterback. Like, are, are are we now in a space to have a conversation about Patrick Mahomes that includes the greats of any sport that we've seen? I
1: think so, because I think that, that that's the, that's what's always been the magic of Mahomes is how he wins, and not just that he wins. It's how he wins. The artistry that you mentioned is something that's been a part of his game since he really splashed on the scene in 2018, the no-look passes and, and how he captures the imagination of, of America. And uh, so you're right. I think that's why we all watched Tiger Woods. It wasn't necessarily to win, but what sort of magic is he going to do? What 45-foot putt is he going to nail to win a major? Obviously, Michael Jordan countless times in the NBA Finals. What is he going to do? Is he going to fight through the flu? You know, all of that. It, it wasn't just the winning. It was how they won. And I think Mahomes does the same way. And I think it's a good point. And obviously, Tom Brady won at such a high level for so long that he forced himself into those conversations. But if, if Mahomes could win just as much, but with, uh, you know, the style that he plays with, then, yeah, he certainly will be amongst the greatest athletes of all time.
0: So I have your Twitter pulled up, Omar. You guys should follow Omar if you're NFL fans, at Omar D. Ruiz. And I see that you were able to catch up with Fred Warner after the game. You know, Fred's a guy who played his college ball just down the road about 40 miles south here, and he was a very good player at BYU. But this guy might be the best linebacker in all of football, and maybe we just need to remove Mike. Uh, and watching him <laughs> is something else, man. So tell me about the conversation. I'm sure BYU fans would love to know your, about your interactions with Fred.
1: Well, first of all, I love Fred Warner as a person. He's such a great guy, and I'm sure you guys got to know him there in his time in Provo, and and uh, just what a special guy he is. He's a great leader um, in that locker room, and really he's been like that you know, since he came into this 49er uh, franchise, was molded by D'Amico Ryans, and we've seen what a star D'Amico Ryans has become in the coaching world and what he did with the Houston Texans. So Fred Warner has absorbed all of that, and like you said, become the best linebacker. In football. And in terms of the the game yesterday, he he was caught off guard with what took the 49ers so long to start playing that physical, aggressive style of football uh, until the second half, you know, that really turned the game. And and that's kind of, we talked about the magic of Brock Purdy um, and, and the offensive breaks that they got. But it was the defense, you know, stopping the Lions that allowed the offense to come back. And of course, Fred Warner was right in the heart of all that. So it was the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm that they played with. In the second half, the defensive line stepping up to allow guys like Fred Warner to make plays and not let those Lions running backs get to the second level. And 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 I think what what caught my attention in that interview yesterday was he he brought up Brock Purdy unsolicited um, that they he's saying that they have a quarterback that will give them a chance to win the Super Bowl. And and that belief again in Brock Purdy um, is a strong one. Um, they're confident in him. And, you know, a, even a guy like Fred Warner on the other side of the ball from Brock Prudy um, is a believer and kind of brings him up in that high regard. And um, and yeah, so Fred Fred was uh, thrilled and, and uh, has the experience of facing Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. And, and I think they hope that eventually somehow some way uh, can help them uh, this coming year in uh, a couple of weeks.
0: Okay, Omar, at this point, you're just flexing because now I'm looking at a picture of you and Barry Sanders. And I am, yeah. of a, I, I, I am of a certain age where I I see a picture of Barry Sanders and I remember the baddest dude on the planet. Um, what was that like to meet, to, to meet Barry Sanders? Like, what was that intera- interaction like?
1: Yeah, it, it was crazy. And I, I was trying to think of all the interviews I've ever done, you know, because obviously once COVID hit, we started doing all these remote interviews, people from home. And I'm trying to remember if I ever remembered me uh, interviewing barry sanders and i couldn't I, I would think if i if i had met barry sanders before i'm pretty sure i would remember that and so i just go up to him and I introduce myself and says i don't know i don't think we've ever crossed paths but um you know i'm from nfl network and you know when i was a teenager when you were in your prime and you were one of my favorite players and and he was just so kind and humble and nice probably probably you know the, the nicest um, superstar I, I'd ever met, you know, in terms of the, you know, one of the greatest of all time, like, cause all those guys and justifiably so, but at one point they were the greatest in the world at what they did. So there's a big ego attached to them. And even, you know, when they're in their fifties and sixties, they still have that aura of, Hey, I'm a, I'm a bad dude. And so, you know, they're not often approachable in the way that Barry Sanders was. He was kind of just a regular guy there on the sideline we had you know five ten minute conversation just about everything related to the lions and his career and reflecting back when he was in the nfc championship game some 30 years ago and and uh and you know eventually his handlers said oh he you know he's got to go and and do some um, you know media interviews and stuff like that but just kind of chit-chatting with one of the greatest players in the history of football not just running backs but just players and, and especially someone who you know? I looked up to as you know one of my favorite players when I was younger, and it was just a thrill that way. And and for him to be as nice as he was, just uh, was icing on the cake.
0: All right, last thing, Omar. Then I'll set you loose. And look, um, I'm a fun guy. I'm not anti fun. All right, so we're gonna do the thing. <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna do the thing. I, I I've made it a point when I have my NFL guests on not to do the Kelsey Taylor Swift thing because it's not topical to me. And it's only because I don't know her music. Like, like truly, what I find more fascinating is the anti-stuff. Like, I'm not watching the Super Bowl. Why? <laughs> because a because a football player is dating a famous singer? Well, I got bad news. You're not going to be watching football very much. But but look, even though it's not my thing, I will do the thing and and ask you about the thing that everybody seems to be talking about, even though that thing is not my thing, if any of that makes sense.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean... My daughters, I'll tell you what, I have a nine, seven, and three-year-old daughters. And to put in perspective what kind of household we have, it's career day. It's going to be career day um, this week. I forget, Wednesday, I think, at, at my daughter's school. One of them is going as a Taylor Swift uh, dancer, um, you know, for her concerts. And And so, like, they are going to be severely disappointed when they found when they find out, they think they're going to Vegas with me mm. um, for the Super Bowl coverage. And so they're going to be severe. And, you know, one of my daughters was like, okay, well uh, if the chiefs win, um, can we sit in the section next to Taylor Swift's suite? <laughs> I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that my daughters now want to have appointment television with chiefs games, I think it's something that the NFL has realized is a gold mine and not only, you know, having more eyeballs, uh, on games and, and the ratings and all that, but just kind of developing another uh, outlet of of a fan base. Um, and so it's kind of been neat to see, you know, obviously in my job, my, my kids watch games with me a lot, but you know, their, their interest since Taylor Swift has been a part of this NFL world has, has just gone through the roof and um, that's been neat to see and to bond with them over. So uh, yeah, how that unfolds in Vegas, it will be fascinating. But uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll get plenty of coverage on that, too.
0: Fun things are fine to enjoy. Let's just remind people it's okay to enjoy fun things. We don't have to get all up in arms about it. But, Omar, I appreciate your time, man. Great job, and I'd love to get you back on again soon. Thank you, sir.
1: Okay, no problem. Thanks for having me. Always fun.
0: Omar Ruiz, NFL Network. He is on Twitter, uh, at Omar D. Ruiz. So uh, check him out there.